If you're enjoying Hatch, you can support the show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. It can be a one-off thing. The money is going to be used to support the creation and the launch of season two. So if you're interested in seeing another season come to life, just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'd be so grateful. Welcome to Hatch, where society's creative and artistic souls share their stories about starting something new. From actors to artists, to dancers to founders, to designers, to writers, to musicians, we explore what triggers their compulsion to create, how they develop and share their art. And in a world that tells us everyone's too busy to listen, why they bother at all. Emma Crispin is a West End performer and choreographer. She landed her first show on the West End at the age of 18, and since then has starred in a variety of musicals, including Cats, Chicago, Bossy, and The Producers, as well as having an array of roles in film and TV. Emma's latest venture is founding her own production company, Favour Street Productions. I am so grateful to have her as a guest on Hatch. In this episode, we had some tech issues while remotely recording, so please excuse any audio issues that you hear. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. The hatching of Hatch. Love that, it. That's it. You're, you're part of this before it's been truly born, so thank oh, you so for, exciting. for coming on. I'm, I'm in a phase of things being born, so it's, it's great. It's, it's totally fitting in with my, with my um, theme of zone that I'm in. Yeah, the theme, the theme. You were brought up in Norfolk and started dancing from a really young age. What were those early years like for you? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think very uh, quite a country bumpkinish kind of background. My my parent, I mean, my dad's um, was a builder, but was a very you know, would restore things, very creative. So they're, they're very creative in their, in their own right, my parents, but not dancers or not theatrical, you know, not actors or anything like that. And um, I was really dyslexic when I was younger. So for me, there was kind of two different experiences. So at school, it was quite a struggle. I didn't really feel like I kind of fitted into the kind of the way of learning. Um, I didn't find it easy. And But yet dancing and kind of the performing side of it was just easy, was natural. And when you're struggling so much at, at the other stuff, you know, academics and stuff like that, well, let's let's encourage this and see where it goes. You know, I just have very clear memories of kind of performing when I was little. And, you know, I mean, you look back at photographs, you go, oh, comedy, I look like, a, you know, it's meant to be like this beautiful, ugly duckling. You think, I look like a chicken in that costume. <laughs> you know, you kind of, I thought it was fabulous. And, and I, I remember being dressed as a rosebud and being sick in the toilet beforehand but um, oh <laughs> but just you know with the nerves or, or were you were, oh, were you I genuinely I ill i think i was genuinely ill but you know i just but you don't think about those things as a kid you're like i'm on stage and i do my thing you know you just kind of enjoy it but there was probably a few moments like i remember um wayne sleep doing a kind of a, a class in um king's lynn which was like, whoa, you know, Wayne Sleep's coming to Norfolk. Uh, and um, so we, we signed up for this class and, you know, it's like, give me an inch and I'll take a mile kind of thing. I just lapped it up um, and loved it. And I think it was becoming obvious to my parents that it's like, well, this is something she can really do. So they, they were very generous with me, like letting me, allowing me to do that, but also just financially. So I went to a, a ballet school 
So I'd kind of, we discussed it. I remember sitting on my the step with my with my mum when I was nine. And she's like, would you like to go? You know, it's kind of been suggested that you should go to ballet school. And I was like, no, mum, I don't want to go. I'm too little. You know, I want to stay home kind of thing. So when I was 12, I was I was really desperate to do it. I was like really not enjoying school. And I was like, I'd love to do this. And um, I just wanted to dance and I wanted to kind of fit in I felt like that's where I'd fit in the first year was really tough because you know you 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 basically you just live there you board there so I went from Norfolk all the way to Camberley Surrey completely different kind of environment but after after the first year I absolutely loved it when you were at vocational school how yeah. how intensive was that was that sort of like I'm envisioning you know you're waking up at eight o'clock you've got you know contemporary or yeah, I, I'm guessing actually it's, it was sort of pure ballet. What what does a day in a life look like? It was really it was really intense actually. I mean, when I think about it now, I'd be like, oh my goodness, it was so full on. Um, but um, yeah, so you'd you'd get up, you'd, you'd after breakfast and all the rest of it, you'd have class at nine, ballet class at nine, and then you'd you'd crack on with academics. So I think you'd have like either one or two classes in the morning, then you'd have academics. Then I think either it's like four o'clock we'd stop school and then we'd do dance. So it'd be ballet, it'd be jazz, contemporary tap, Spanish, just very, very broad um, training, but obviously with a huge ballet focused. And we'd do that through till six, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock would be dinner. And then we'd do prep, so we'd have homework. So it was like, Full on days, but I mean, you know, you're young, you've got beams of energy, but it was an intense training, but it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful and really privileged to be able to have done that. Did you have sort of in the early days of going to that school, a moment where Mm. you really realised, okay, I'm obviously, you know, got this natural talent for this. I really want to pursue this. This will be my career. Or is it sort of assumed that that will be the case if you go to a school like that? Yeah, I, I think both. Because there's people there that that sometimes have been sent there that have not really got that kind of like, oh, I want to do, you know, I want to be on the stage. But I think I think I did have that passion, really. And I remember having this wonderful um, ballet teacher called Jan Kitteridge, Janet Kitteridge, and she was amazing. She was really colourful, really creative. She had like, you know, the ballet school seems to be a bit square, but she had like really like long fingernails and really like strong perfume and like she had... Yeah big curly hair she was a real character and but she she scared us witless like she was terrifying but she she was such a good teacher she just brought it out of us and um obviously it's tapping into your to your talent to, to, to a gift you just get this rush it's like ah oh, you know and it, it's like having a really amazing meal um you know when you use your gifts it's like oh I feel I feel like I've just eaten you know at I don't know, some mega restaurant, you know, Nobu or something. I've just eaten something <laughs> incredible. And it kind of gives you the, you know, it's like, oh, I want to keep going. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I was I was desperate to start work as soon as possible. But um, yeah, no, I, it was a great school. It was a great school. So you at 18, uh, you had your first job, I believe, on the West End. Is that right? Yeah. And so what was that? Oh, yeah, that was, that was so funny. I was thinking about this last night. It was Copacabana. So I was I was totally green. So so I had this situation when my dad said, "Look, we've run out of money." I mean, we had a grant and all the rest of it, but um, but we'd we'd run out of money. I was like, Emma, you need to go get a job. 
So we weren't allowed to audition until our last term when we were in our last year, so when we were in our third year. And um, but this was the first term, and I was like, I'm going to be really naughty. I'm going to go and audition. I was like, oh no. I was like, but I'm going to go. So um, so off I trot to the West End, you know, it's a complete adventure, and um, an audition for stuff. So all open calls, you know, kind of lots and lots of people, and but just completely determined. And obviously, I'm like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be homeless if I don't go. And get the job. <laughs> nothing like a bit of hustle, <laughs> no, right? Nothing. Yes, yeah, like okay, no pressure, but. Uh, <laughs> so I, so I was auditioning for you know about three hours it's grease crazy for you and paper cabana and i i was getting down quite getting down for all three of them and um for paper cabana i'd had loads of recalls and we were on a sixth recall so i was like you know this is obviously what you do you you, you go back you you do more dancing you do more singing and they say thank you very much and then they call you back and you go back for another one and and so i was on my sixth recall and i remember being, being downstairs in the bar and we were at the theatre, so it was at Prince of Wales Theatre, really cute, nice theatre. And um, I was like, okay, there's about six girls, six boys doing a recall. So we were doing stuff on stage and they said, okay, Emma, we'll we'll see you on the 18th. And I was like, okay. I thought, this is another recall. We, you know, we go back, we do a recall. And they're like, uh, no, darling, you've got the job. <laughs> Just so theatrical. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. Oh, like what do I do now? You know, I thought I was coming back for a recall. So, it was so funny. I was because just surely kind of there's ten of them, yeah. right? Yeah, like you know, they expected me to be like, oh, thank you so much. So I, I was like, okay, thanks. You know? <laughs> see you then, mate. Like, thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, see you back. And so once you once you get a role in something like the West End, what does that typical rehearsal period involve? Like, I can imagine it must just be pretty brutal and intense what is that typically like well um I, I think rehearsal periods have got shorter and shorter but um you know uh, the, the majority of jobs that I did were transfers from from Broadway and it's all mapped out it's all written out you know there's a kind of a bible of positions where the stage is a grid and they say okay she stands on eight one she stands on the you know everything is completely mapped out because it's it's a product basically they're saying okay you know, the producer saying we want that show in London, you know. So um, on some jobs, it's, you know, they put a lot of um, detail into the background of, of what you're playing and, and who you are. And, you know, you have big discussions at the beginning about the piece, you do read-throughs and it's, it's quite a swift and very quick learning of the show. So you'll have dance captains, you'll have um, assistant choreographers and the choreographer teaching you that track. So you, you get taught that, that part of the show very quickly and then you run and run and run and run and run the show until it's up to the standard that that it needs to be so it must be quite intense sometimes when you've obviously got the opening night so you're you can't oh, really yeah. push it push it out you've you've only got that kind of window so I guess if it's not perfect in the eyes of the directors or the producers yeah. the only option is just to keep going and to maximize it every moment of every day almost well, I, I mean, when you've got a deadline of, of opening night, yeah, you just have to get there. It's pretty rare that they will extend previews, but sometimes they do. You know, if a show's, if it's a new show or something's not not working, um, then you have to extend it, extend the preview. But that's what previews are for. You know, it's like this is where we we might make a mistake or 
for Lion King, you know, the giraffe might fall over or something. <laughs> <laughs> kind of great to go and attend yeah. the, the preview, I think. Yeah. You get it's some like, of the yes. comedy. Yeah, something something might something might go awry here, but um yeah. but you hope not, you know, you're kind of you're you want to give them a, a finished product, you know, and of course. Um something that's that you're really proud of, obviously. And I remember for, for the producers kind of um tech, you know, tech can be like two days and you're like, Oh my goodness, like a whole show backstage that you have to learn and costume changes and all this stuff and I was like, Wow, it was such a big show backstage as well as on stage, you know, big costumes, big changes, but all very quick and wow. I remember having a change and it was very, very quick. Um and I had to kind of rip these everything was like rippable offable, you know, like this and then run on stage and do a big jeté and and um and fouette turns and boom but it was like on the music it's like there's no time for like oh one second later it's like no you have to be at that it's the button of the show it's at like the end of that end of that one and i was like if i'm not there you know so i was just terrified yeah. um but there's nothing like a bit of terror to kind of get you out <laughs> yeah like like your hustle when you were 18 yeah, nothing like, like a terror yeah, to sort like, of get that no get that jeté like, going going quickly yeah, yeah. it is actually terror. wild though the behind the scenes backstage of musicals like i grew up doing yeah, a lot of dance nice. and i just remember you know they had it was like the mums who were who were volunteering doing all the costume changes and they're sort of standing yeah. there like every mum's got a different piece of of clothing for a different girl and you were literally yeah. sprinting and i just remember just being in, in a, almost like a pool of sweat for the whole show yeah. the shows because you were just you just don't stop you were just going yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah. um but it's almost like they could have a production about the behind the scenes of a production oh yeah it's, it's that entertaining oh yeah there's big shows that happen in that theatre and I think always backstage I think I wish you could put a camera and have like in the bar you could have backstage if it wasn't I mean people are not decent enough probably but um, x-rated show it's a bit bit (laughs) private but um you know it's a fascinating stuff going on backstage so uh totally totally so in terms of the longevity of performances how do performers handle that and I can imagine at times, you know, super repetitive when you're on a show that's going for over yeah, yeah. a year, for example. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, for me, it was all about the character and the story. So I used to walk to work and I used to imagine this character of who I was going to be that night. So I wasn't deviating from what I was doing, what I was dancing, what I was saying, not at all. But I'd be like, right. And I'd, I'd literally kind of dress myself. I'd work out my whole background story. So I'd have this this new person every night that I would slightly just uh, just a little tweak, but for me it was a big change in my head, so it's kind of fresh. So as long as that would keep going, I I was fine. So I was doing cats and I was like, oh man, I'm I'm feeling a bit like it's a bit bit like dragging my feet. Like what's like give me something. So that you'd have three words. So, so it'd be like so like bomb ballerina. I think it was motherly, seductive, or voluptuous or something. And caring, like some, there was three words, I can't remember, they're terrible. But you'd use those words to kind of, to shape and form your character. And then obviously all the input from the director and everything. So I remember Nikki Wilson saying to me, well, she just gave me a different word. So I was playing Cassandra at the time, and she gave me a different one. I think one of her words was haughty, disdainful, and a posh or something, I can't remember. But And she just changed one of my words. And I was like, boom, and I had a whole new 
packed lunch of stuff to go through. Go right, okay, I can, I can, I can work with this. I've got a whole different creative output to kind of to perform from. So yeah, so for me, it was just keeping it alive, keeping it interesting, and then obviously the audience support you a lot because it's it's a bit of a two way street sometimes, you know. Um, and I guess if you know, you know, you might have this person who you know is going to be in the audience you know next tuesday night and you've got this significant you know ex west end performer you must have performed to some amazing people do they give you that kind of pre-warning in terms of Um, who might be who might be witnessing um yeah i think so i mean i would i would always say to my mum don't tell me when people are coming i used to hate it right so i i didn't like the pressure so i was i felt there was i was trying every night was was my pressure kind of thing mm. so I would get feel too pressured if it's like oh my you know so-and-so's coming to see you I'm like oh no you know it's a bit like um I don't know it's like being watched when you're putting your makeup on it's like you don't want to do it uh, yeah. but um yeah I, I would never like I was I was like don't tell me I just I just want to focus yeah you know, but um were, were the nerves sort of present or are the nerves present every performance like I think back to when I just danced nothing not even a smidge on the scale that you you've done things, but I still remember like I I would get pretty nervous and get that kind of adrenaline show after show, time after time. Yeah. So does that just stay consistent? Yeah, I used to find Mondays were my you know, having a day off. It sounds ridiculous. Sunday having one day off, but um, I used to find Mondays was my nervous day. So yeah. I'd feel pretty nervous on a Monday, and then once I was cracked into the week i was fine i think it's just having a day off i just used to be a bit nervous i used to yawn a lot <laughs> i found myself yawning like why am i yawning i was like actually i think this is my nerve but um manifesting yeah. in a different way yeah i'd love to talk a little bit about the musical fossey that you were in and this was a highly acclaimed show which first arrived on broadway and then came to the west end shortly after and won a number of olivier awards And essentially this musical showcased all of the various choreography of Bob Fosse, who was a theatre legend. And he was the original director of Chicago, Sweet Charity, Pippin and Cabaret. And he had a real distinctive style of choreography, from my understanding. And he made the jazz hands famous, which is, is a notable achievement. So in that show, you were essentially working with the best performers of the time. I'd love to hear a bit more about what that experience was like. Um, it was a for me. It was like a highlight, really, of my of my work, really. But um, I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I was thinking about the audition process. <laughs> I was thinking about speaking to you, and I was like, oh, I'm just remembering kind of auditioning for Anne Ranking, incredible lady. Um, incredible dancer, um, Gwen Burnham. So both teaching us in the rehearsal process. Both of those people were teaching us. I mean, complete heroes. <laughs> so, so it was it was a bit mind blowing to be honest. Um, wonderful cast, and we all got the gravity of of like what we were involved with. Just tr- from a personal perspective, we were like, you know, wow, this is incredible to work with these guys. And then you see the the wealth of craft and experience that, that they've had in how they taught it. Anne was 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 his partner they weren't married, but with his partner and you know, he was married to Gwen Burden and mm. you know, these these women knew him, his work inside out. And they performed with and him so, 
often yeah right? they were yeah they were the leading ladies of, of a lot of his musicals ladies. yeah yeah you'd get this whole kind of dialogue and you know there's a lot of acting involved in and how everything was shaped there was this move it was called running water and it was where your your arm was kind of elbow was kind of pinched into your side and your but your arm was sloping down like water was running down off your hand and you know and Gwen was saying to me like put hold it like you're holding a paper under your hand under under your arm like a newspaper then we'd go over and over and over and over even just like one move so not before it was a routine you know I remember standing behind Anne Reinking and she was repeating this move over and over and over again and I was copying her watching her body watching her movements and timings and just getting it and doing it over and over and over and over. And she said, you know, I I wouldn't get nervous because I'd practice and practice and practice and practice and practice so much that, the, you know, almost the nerves couldn't be there because she just, there was no way it was going to go wrong. It was so, it was so, so ingrained. Yeah. So ingrained, you know. Yeah, it was a complete honour. And it just sounds outstanding. And obviously that's yeah. reflected in the fact that it, it won a number of, highly acclaimed awards yeah did you feel a real added pressure you know that opening night knowing that you were about to pay the dues to uh, to yeah. a legend was that yeah. a different experience yeah definitely and I think also within the West End people were like they were expecting a lot or you felt you felt the pressure from kind of your fellow West End peeps but um we understood what, what we were being asked of so it wasn't like or this is how brilliant you've got to be, just get there. It was, okay, this is how brilliant we want you to be. Okay, now you've reached that brilliant, we want you to be more brilliant than this. Okay, now you've reached that brilliant, you can do more. So they would they would nudge us up and up and up and up and up. So when we thought, we, wow, we've, we've nailed it, that was a great run, that was fantastic. They say, that's the bottom, that's the bottom line. <laughs> now you're gonna take it up a notch. And then we go, surely not, I don't think I can give any more. And you'd, you'd, you'd find an extra 1% and you do that and they go, okay, that's, that's, that's the bottom line. Okay. Up another notch. And I remember them saying, we were, we were doing this process of like, I mean, it was exhausting. It was a really tiring show. And, um, they said, right, that's, that is what we will be. We'd be happy with that, that level that you just reached, we'd be happy with. Now we want it to be more than this. You know, that's worst um, case scenario. <laughs> yeah, worst case scenario. So, so they really, they really, really worked, worked hard. But uh, it was amazing because we found things that you just didn't know you were going to be able to do. Yeah. You know, so um, and and then you really, you know, it, it picks it up a notch, and you you find more enjoyment out of it. You know, it's yeah, it's amazing. And but you, they, you know, that you as an artist are are being pushed and are, are yeah. developing at yeah. a rate that otherwise would be impossible unless you have these kinds of directors and choreographers and and fellow dancers around you, then that will lift you yeah. up. It's like that saying that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you're around five of the best performers mm -hmm. in the world, of course you're going to have to have to rise. I'm wondering, what do you think are the most important qualities of a West End performer from your experience? Um, I'd say don't compare. So I, I know we we're in a we we're in a generation of, or a time of being able to kind of look at everything and compare everything. And I'd say don't don't do that. Be completely kind of focused, single focused kind of thing, and and be just very determined, very determined. I think I think those are two things that 
probably helped me the most was that I I just was extremely single-minded and I would train and practice and practice and practice. I'm I'm wondering off the back of that, what do you wish that you knew about the theatre industry before you started? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I had such a different perception of what it was when I started. I was very kind of green, you know, I, I, I remember rocking up for my first job, which was Copacabana, and I thought... I thought we did shows every single day. And I was like, oh, Sophie, where's the show on Sunday? We're doing a show on Sunday. It's like, no, that's going to be a few years later. Everybody's going to be petitioning not to do shows on Sunday. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, what do I wish I'd known? Obviously, there's an ebb and flow to work, you know, and that's that goes with the territory. But there also there's there's more beyond where you first start and where you you know, you kind of, you can get established and get known um, within the business kind of thing. But it's, it's okay to kind of think beyond that. You know, it's, it's very social in itself, but it's obviously very antisocial hours. So you don't really, you know, intermix with lots of other professions and stuff. It's very, you know, you're in the, the world of theatre and that's kind of where you're at. But so it's good to get perspective. And I think it, yeah, it would have been good if, we'd had a mentor or something from school to say, okay, look, you know, this is, this is this, and this is amazing. And theater is, you know, it could be all consuming and all that stuff. And that's amazing. But there's, there's also more and more within theater. There's, there's other jobs, there's other positions, you know, I think that would have been a good thing to kind of discuss because you can get very kind of tunnel vision, I think Mm. about it. So you've recently started a theater company, Faber Street Productions, which is very exciting huge congratulations can you share a little bit more about this like you it's good to start things when there's a pause and I've had ideas I want to kind of do and produce and I thought right come on girl you know now's the time firstly it's kind of it's linked with a charity so so there's kind of going to be a a catalogue catalogue of work that is either supporting the charity which is that's in my grandmother's name actually so it's called the Greta Roberts Foundation and it's all about um, pelvic floor rehab, rehabilitation. So that's another thing I'm kind of passionate about. My main work's been with some lovely, amazing people, Jackie Spencer and Chris Marquez in France. So um, I've actually got a show that I want to create and write for France. So that's my wow. that's my next, yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to need help because my French is terrible. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um I, that's the next thing I want to do and it's um again like talking to you I have that old school kind of passion for like just really beautiful theatre I want to kind of dig at the foundations of kind of real kind of classic brassy musical theatre pieces and and that's what I want to create so it's just different avenues and yeah there's I've got kind of other ideas that I had on the burner for a while and I think Okay, you've got a whole list of stuff now, Em, you know. What's the process for creating a production company? I've got no idea as to what that would entail. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this is kind of new territory for me. Obviously, I've seen it played out many a time. But for one of the pieces that I, I want to create, it's been a lot of research. So um, I've been doing tons of research and I can kind of see the numbers but it's got to have obviously a really strong story and a good book to kind of make it work. So at the minute, yeah, I, I'd, I'd need a director. I'd probably need a French director. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I'd love original music, um, wow. but there's also like, you know, period music. And so there's, ton, there's tons and tons and tons. I mean, it's a massive, massive um, job putting a musical together. I'd love to know, what has the theatre taught you about yourself? Um, that I'm more durable than I think is possibly one of the things it's taught me. I mean, in life and in, in theatre and work, I feel, I feel that more and more it points to how important relationship is. So, you know, you have a relationship with the audience, you have a relationship with your cast members, with your, the, the people that you're working for, and that all makes it have real weight, you know. So it's it's wonderful doing a show. The, the sad thing about shows is that they finish, you know. It's it's a danger to kind of flip from one thing to the, to the next and just not keep in touch with people. And yeah, I think theatre's probably taught me that in a way because you have it is quite transient, you know. But the more you do develop really good relationships, it's um, yeah, that's the best bit. I think. I love that, and I think that advice can apply to so many aspects of life. It's always about the relationships. I'm curious, what was it about the theatre that hooked you? Yeah, um, I think it's a number of factors. I think one, it's it's obviously using a using a gift, using a talent. I dance around the kitchen all the time, but um, <laughs> but um, you know, it's a it's it's a real privilege to be able to do to do that on a stage, you know, and to share it. It is again, it's that the spontaneity of it. But I think, yeah, it's something about the essence of who we are, isn't it? About um, being creative it, it does it does it does move it's a bit like Heineken is it was the advert for Heineken but it does move parts of you that that you don't sometimes connect with you know you're kind of rushing around doing life and then but in a theatre you sit down and you engage you engage your imagination your emotions you know you you have all this anticipation and I think all those elements just set you up for experiencing something kind of kind of magical so we've come to the final words section of this podcast which is a series of short questions asked to every guest so emma what other profession would you like to have oh what profession would i have a scenic painter could you describe the industry in three words elusive charismatic and colorful what are you not very good at? What I'm not very good at? Oh, well, a friend of mine would say writing bullet points in an email. Um, but <laughs> um, I think sometimes I can be a bit stubborn. I was trying to think of this, like, what's one of my faults? Oh, yeah, bullet point emails. That's that's something. I rem- remember a friend of mine lifting his eyebrow and just saying, put it in a bullet point, please. <laughs> you know, write, like, an acre and a half of email. <laughs> like, that can be three bullet points. A song you'll never get sick of. Well, okay. So Stevie Wonder, very superstitious. Love Stevie Wonder. But that kind of that thing I just I think it's just genius. Um but currently when Jemima can't sleep, I bounce her to Pharrell Williams Happy. So it's gonna be one of the two. What is your greatest fear? Oh, not being brave enough. What quality do you most like in another person? Um, empathy and joy, I think. You're speaking to 16-year-old Emma. What would you say to her? 
I'd probably say, you know, there's, there's going to be ups and downs and, um, and bumps in the road, but um, kind of God's got your hand, you know, it's, you're, you're never alone. Emma, it has been so fabulous having you on Hatch. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, well, what a privilege to be in the first the first batch of Hatch. And um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see it and hear it. And yeah, just I wish you all the best. It's very exciting. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hatch. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe to Hatch wherever it is that you listen. It makes every difference. See you again next week for another episode. Bye.